Welcome to another Wizard King podcast. I'm your host Zico. We got another reaction video for you today. This time we're looking at Joe Rogan, Brian Callen, Brandon Schaub, and Eddie Bravo, and a recent fight companion. Where in a segment of it, they started talking about religion, God. Before we get into it, please like, subscribe, and uh, hit that notification bell. Uh, helps the channel out. Helps me out a lot. If the singularity has already happened, meaning that you and I are already self-replicating machines. And we are, we are in the process of making machines that are even better than us. Mm. But we're already in the simulation. That mm. is a theory that ma that theoretical mathematicians. The, the are simulation theory. You ever notice it only comes from wealthy people? Like no, the guy working at Seven Eleven is not like we're working a simulation. No, well, it comes not... from scientists and thoughtful, like really, really high-level math. Also, and people that aren't religious. Physicists. What I was going to get it's to. It's actually an interesting. And religion. this this runs into religion. What I was going to get to is you could take that further and say that with time intelligent life would become a god because mm -hmm. intelligent life would become godlike if it didn't get interrupted if mm -hmm. it didn't get interrupted and it kept evolving and improving if there was some sort of competition that forced it to continue to evolve and improve which is what makes all competition on earth so important things continue to evolve and improve if that happens for a million years for five million years for ten million years We've had animals on this planet that are older than that, right? What if a life form that became super intelligent evolved to the point where it had absolute control over everything? That would be a god. Yeah. And it, that would be a real god. That would be something that, like, science could put their head on. They could go, okay, well, let's call that god. Because if there is an intelligent life form that literally creates everything, that is what god, god does. Yeah. And if, if God is letting children starve, if God is letting horrible crimes take place and the, the worst that we see in all of the, the society. If that's true, and if that is just because what a God is, is something that just creates things. And a God sets these processes in place, and it gives you a higher good to reach for, and then the ultimate goal is that species becomes like God's. This is a common thought amongst people who are atheists or people who might believe God exists, right? but find it difficult to follow a God who allows atrocities, as Joe mentioned here, right? Um, as someone who chooses to follow God, the God of the Bible, I get it. Like, it is extremely difficult to accept that God is good, sovereign, which means like he either allowed it or made it happen, like things that happens in people's lives, in our lives. He either made it or allowed it to happen. Which also watching or hearing of these horrible things that happen to other human beings, you know, like you hear these stories. Now we get to see it uh, across the world. You know, you look in Iran and you look at all these different things that are happening right now. Right. And we're like, how can God allow that? It's hard to grasp, especially if you're somebody who cares for other humans. Like, you know what I mean? I mean you're human. Hopefully you care for other humans the way you care for yourself. If you care for yourself in a good way. The Bible does shine light on this though. Starting all the way in Genesis with Adam and Eve. You know, you look at um, in the beginning in Genesis. First chapter of Genesis is all about the creation. Right? Like the seven days that God took to from when it was nothing. When he was just hovering over water. To uh, light, sun being separated. Waters being separated from land. Animals, creatures, humans being made. All these things, right? And then um, he, he planted a garden in the east. And he's like, man, I should put somebody here to tame this garden to or to manage it. 
created Adam, put Adam in that garden. And then from there, right, you know, what we're about to read is before what he decided to do after that. But in chapter 2, verse 16. In chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Now, some people would be like, why would God put that there? Like, why put that tree of knowledge of good and evil there if you the person can't eat it? Like, what sense does that make, right? And and that's a I think that's a great question to ask. Um, you know, why even allow <laughs> like Adam to have that option, right? And one of the ways I tend to think about that is in terms of the relationship to my wife. Now, for example, my wife chose to marry me, right? I didn't force her. I didn't force her. And she might say different, but she's lying. <laughs> no, but uh, I didn't force my wife to marry. She chose and she had plenty options, right? She chose to marry me. I still sometimes wonder why. But, you know, it's just because I could tend to be, you know, I have some insecurities, right? But, you know, she accepted she uh, chose to be with me. She is a very beautiful woman and has always had options, but she chose to be with me. And this is great. You know, like I love it. It makes me feel great that she chose to be with me. But think about it and relate it like that. Like she chose. God wants us to choose to have a relationship with him. And remember, in the beginning, it says they, we were created in his likeness. Now you think about that. You could also... If you take that that example and then you extrapolate that, you just what is that basically? What 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 I just described there? Free will. So the deeper question is: Do you want with people that argue like why would he do that? Ask yourself this: Would you rather be able to choose what you can do, or do you want somebody to choose it for you? That's free will. That's the right to choose what you want to do with your life, to choose who you get in a relationship with in your life, who you interact with in your life, all based on you, regardless of the consequences, bad or good, excuse me, regardless of the consequences, whether bad or good, you get to choose the actions and things you partake in, the relationships you partake in, your choice, that's free will, or for those who like feel like, hey, we shouldn't have free will, and you're choosing for somebody to dictate the way you feel, how you feel, and the way you move, how you move, what you do, where you work, who you interact with, and the list keeps going, right? So that's what you do, like, you extrapolate that. So, you know, I want to ask you this. Without the tree of knowledge and evil existing, is there true free will? That also brings me to this next concept. Who are we, the creation, to question God in a contemptuous way? about why he decided to allow us to live the way we choose, right? Like, think about that. Here we find this man who is a wealthy man with a large family. Now, I'm going to describe to you another scenario. This man I just is Job, right? And he gave to the poor, took care of widows and people in need, and was regarded by God himself as a righteous man. So this is Job. This is who Job is. But then God allowed him, because he's sovereign, right? God is sovereign, to, to lose his wealth, health, food, and most importantly, his children in this short amount of time. I have a family. That's wild to me, right? Like, 
man, I don't, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine it, right? Like, just even thinking about it, I could bring tears in my eyes. Just thinking about, wow, losing my family, losing my kids. So after asking God to take his life, so Job went through these few chapters of, first his wife turned on him, you know, not really turned, but his wife was like, man, just just curse God and let him kill you, you know, like, this is, like, his wife was bitter, you know, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Then he had friends, his three closest friends come by, and uh, they were like, well, he wouldn't just, God wouldn't just allow this to happen if he wasn't evil. Like, just just tell us. We know you evil now. Come on. Just, what did you do? Like, what were you doing? You were stealing money, wasn't What What were you doing to, but literally, God, literally in the beginning, if you ever go read it yourself, which I um, encourage you to do so, this is dude is righteous. Not perfect, righteous. Because we have this idea of perfection as never make any mistakes. But he was righteous. And that, in God's eyes, is perfection. But seeing that he was struggling, you know, after his friends, his wife, see, everybody seemed against him. He was had all these sores all, all over his body after losing his family. God himself start, came to question him. Because now he was at a point where he was questioning god like why would you allow me to be alive why was i even born what's the point he's questioning life itself which is a very um it's not a very safe place for any human to be because once you start this is something that and jordan peterson talks about this a lot and other other psychologists if you look at what happens i forgot the term when you start when there is no good when you can't see the good I'm, that situation is crazy. I would not want to be in the situation. But, you know, God intervened. And I think is when you when a human, especially who's righteous like this guy, when you can't see the good, all you see is like, what's the point of being alive? Uh, oh, man, it's not narcissistic. The word almost came to me, but um, it's going to suck because I'm going to remember after I record this. Anywho, when you can't see the good, Nihilism, there it is. When when you start to be like that, anything becomes possible. Anything. But here in Job chapter 38, God comes and confronts Job and questions him and starts asking him some questions. One through chapter 38, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plan? So obscures dark and confused hide. My plans without word, with words without knowledge. Prepare to defend yourself. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And like... Yo, I love I love another version. You know, instead of saying prepare to defend yourself, it talks about um, take your bear, like grab your groins like a man, or you know, take like be prepare yourself like a man, right? And um, I love I love that. Like that's just I, you know how men men we talk like that to each other, you know. Like so, I just it's just really it, I connect with that a lot. One thing that I found from my walk with God is that He wants you to communicate with Him, to question Him, but don't forget your place, right? Don't forget that He's God and you're not. 
But I have questioned them. I have been in that place where I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why is this happening, right? Like, but I understand he's got, you know, it's just you're going through all this, this emotional, emotional turmoil. He is the creator and we are the creation. We have a finite time on this earth and he is time itself. With that being said, I'm sure some of you out there are saying some colorful words towards God. And that's fine. I've had these times myself, like I said, where I felt like I was in torment and going through rough times. But you have to, like, don't forget your place. You're the creation. So this leads to the next thing I wanted to touch on, the fact that, as Joe mentioned, this reaching for a higher good. We need this. Becoming, not like, a nihilist is it's not the best place to position yourself if you want to grow and be a better version of you. What's interesting about life is life is going to happen whether you're a believer or not. Man, there's a movie <laughs> without like there's a movie. One of my favorite lines from this movie is there's nothing a man cannot do once he accepts the fact that there is no god. That's what happens when we don't when we stop reaching for a higher good. Before we start the clip, I want to touch on one more thing, you know, like like the structure of belief required for simulation theory, which, you know, they go into and they're talking about, is no different from the structure of belief required to follow God. The only difference is one has been practiced for thousands of years and calls man to certain standards that can be hard to live by at times. The other one is just a nice theory that doesn't require you to change and become a more self-controlled version of yourself. If they just kept going, if they if they followed, if they didn't kill each other and they didn't steal and they treated each other well and they evolved better to figure out how to manage that and then all work together to improve upon this technological, biological synergy that, that is obviously taking place. And it gets to the point where this creature, this thing that they've created, that they've created out of themselves and their own creations is more powerful than anything we could ever imagine. That, that literally could be like a Dr. Manhattan type deal. That question is interesting even if you take it to yourself. So I think it's really interesting that, and think, tell me if you agree with this, you know, but like I always feel like as a human being, you have in your mind's eye almost a nostalgia or an understanding that of when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, so when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, like there's an instinct, there's this feeling, there's something that we all humans have, this weird inner thing, right? And uh, though too many people in today's times, particularly in the Western world, we have become more diluted and less sensitive to these to our intuitions again in job 38 let's go back to the bible again verse that same chapter in job uh job so we're going to same chapter where god was talking to job but this time we're going to jump down to verse 36 so i want to i want to explain to you guys this concept right that what brian is is describing here in my opinion so we're going to look at job chapter 38 verse 36 and we're, we're going to read the amplified version which i like the way it lays this out it says who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind this shows us that god has inputted these things into the heart of all humans again in ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 
It says also in the Amplified Version, He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity in the human heart. So eternity like a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. Yet man cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Which is interesting, like these things that are implanted in every human. This desire, it shows that this, we have this desire to know what is out there in the skies beyond our vision. That feeling that we get, that we may not be in the right path, is from God. This is something from the Creator, right? This, this purpose that we're like, hey, we, we, we feel like we're called to do something better, to do something bigger. And uh, a lot of us have come to relate it to different things like career um, and what, you know, depends on the person. But each person has this 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 thing within us. Now, we come, now when it comes to eternity, whether you're on the right or wrong path, quote unquote, can all be determined by the Bible. But best believe that God allows people to do things and uses these things for his will. And his people, right? So, like, there's people that have done evil things, and we're like, and God has allowed it, but He's been able to use that for the betterment of His people. And the Bible says this in um in Romans eight twenty eight, which we'll read later. But in Jeremiah forty three ten, we see how God used the king of Babylon to discipline His people, and at that time they were rebellious and all these things, and He was. He was going to allow that because they had been rebelling against him and serving other gods. But in the Romans 8.28 scriptures, it tells us straight that everything that happens is for a reason. Which scripture is on the screen. God works it to benefit those who love him. But going back to the intuition, I believe from about the time we are babies to childhood, we are most in tune. With our instincts for the most part, right? Like meaning we are able to sense people's energies and if the situation is dangerous. If you ever looked at a child, uh if or not looked at a child, but if you have a child or maybe you have a nephew or niece, they the way they interact with other people that are not within their family or they're not used to is always interesting to me to watch. Cause based on the way they interact with somebody not saying it's perfect, but it's it's a purity to it. Like, you don't have to say anything. They don't have to say anything to you. Just the way you come to them, sometimes they'll be like, no, I'm good. Or sometimes they'll be like, all right, we, we, you can embrace me. You can hold me, whatever, right? And um, it's interesting to watch. But they're not going to shy on how they... Um, react to you they're not gonna deny their feelings if they feel weird they're not gonna allow you to hug them or you know or hold them um but if they feel safe then they will allow it that's the intuition it's built in right like you don't tell them to do that they just do that on their own accord now because we are little we may not be able to avoid such situations so like let's say we sense a dangerous situation just because you know as a child you may not be able to uh, avoid said situation, right? But we are aware that something is not right. As we get older, school, work, alcohol, uh, drugs, substances, we tend to lose this intuition, or I would say ignore it, right? Like, 
we just become better and better at ignoring this thing. But I believe this that we can become more sensitive to it as we get older if we have something what Jesus would call a childlike heart. Now, let me tie these things together so, so it makes sense, right? We're talking about that intuition, that instinct that, you know, you tend to allow to guide you with on, on when you're interacting with somebody else. If you're in a dangerous situation, maybe it could help you to stay away from a situation. Even if you're wrong, it could be wrong, mind you, right? But I think we're more in touch with this when we have what Jesus calls a child like heart i believe this because this is something that's happened to me when i became a disciple a christian a few years ago um the more i walked with god and became more vulnerable um all these you know there's there's aspects of vulnerability um willingness to learn willingness to be wrong and you know um willing and the willingness to love people unconditionally right like to if they do hurt me or do say something to me i talk to them about it um i don't shy away from it or i don't hide away from them which caught with this which interaction with breaks down walls and it, instead of creating walls and it helps you get deeper and deeper into your heart and your it's crazy what what um being vulnerable in that way can do what i found though is the lighter I've become, dude, I have kids, wife, all this stuff, school out at the time, and then work and all this stuff that I'm doing in life. But I don't have as much of a burden, which creates less of a hard heart. So my heart is a lot softer, per se, right? And so now I'm able to connect with people better. I'm able to sense people when there's something wrong. I'm able to I listen better. Listening is also an aspect that I'm not really a childlike heart aspect but it's something that's needed right but it it helped putting those two things together really helps becoming more in tune with your instincts and then um listening it really helps to really figure out okay what is going on in certain situations um and just becoming aware of of whatever you're in whatever is happening what i describe you know you could easily put yourself in a bad situation or be ignorant um if you're if you think that hey this is the best no no if you feel like a situation is bad or it can go a bad direction the results could be bad you get you get out of the situation that's the whole point of having being aware of these instincts being aware of of this feeling like something's not right don't put yourself in in situations just because you're willing to be ignorant. There's a difference between willing ignorance and being str- like strudious or uh, shrewd, right? Like there's a difference, right? And not allowing yourself to be used. There's, you know, there's a difference because some people are, they willingly allow themselves to do, let this happen. And because they connected to, oh, I'm loving this person, or I'm being vulnerable. No, there's a <laughs> a big difference, a big difference, and you talking to people helps you to become more aware of where that line is, right? Talking to others that maybe think differently from you, but there's a big difference. Don't put yourself in these 
these dumb situations based on that don't mix the two you feel it if you, right. yeah and, you and not it. only that like it's almost like my my best the best version of myself if i even dare to look at it is in the other room clearing its throat but and i know what i have to do to get there but most people are not interested but when we see people who like a guy like let's say i don't know ben askren or something who who was able to put himself through enough pain to become that good a wrestler just as an example or you see some guy yeah. or whatever what we're admiring i think is not so much the skill but what it took to get there the like, character the character yeah, yeah. The, the, the ability you were talking about wrestlers there's something about wrestlers high level wrestlers because you know that you're not getting a lot of glory but when you see an ncaa champ or whatever you know what they had to do to get there the sacrifices the sacrifice the ability yeah. to, to talk to themselves the right way to keep grinding and all that stuff you see somebody's very very creative elon musk everybody's saying you can't do this you can't do this he's going fuck off and he keeps doing it and i think that that's there's something very interesting about to me that's the idea behind truth and god like the notion that if i if i really pay attention to the voice that's telling me to conquer my inner as you always say, which I wish I'd come up with, It'd be a great t-shirt. But that idea, wh why is that there? And why do we know every time we're eating cake or we're f***ing up? We know we're f***ing up. It's not the right thing to yeah, do. Yeah, why is it that there's this sort of dull tug? There's always this tug pushing me. And, and the only way to avoid not becoming that is create a bunch of f***ing noise. A bunch of noise. That's why I don't think we're in a simulation. You know, Brian Callen, uh, he begins to touch on something here, which I agree on, which is connected to God. When we look at people like The Rock, Muhammad Ali, Floyd Mayweather, um, Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Patrick Bet David, you know, like uh, from Valuetainment, or even fictional characters like Rocky. Or we look at like people that have gone to the Navy, right? And they've went through that, like uh, the horrific... Uh, I forgot what it's called, but, you know, all the people that want to enter the Navy, they have to go through this rigorous training and they have to go through these tests and physically train, uh, physical tests. And um, David Goggins, you know, is another person who, who talks about that specifically, but also somebody we look at. What is it that attracts us to these type of people, you know, and why is it so attractive? And what I think is 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 so attractive, you know, because... A lot, you could confuse it, right? You could be like, man, is it, is it because of the fame or, or is it because of the money, uh, the fancy homes or cars that they start disporting if they have a lot of money? Um, you know, and all of these things are achieved through, through this brutal amount of work. I mean, we don't see all of the work, but, you know, from what they talk about or share, um, especially The Rock on his social, you see a lot of the work right now. Um, but like, is, is is that what attracts us? And I, 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 this is what I believe exactly what it is. This is what attracts us to those type of people, those people that have achieved something that surpasses what we could think that is achievable. It is the fact that these people have become better versions of themselves and are displaying it through this sport or business or activity. They have achieved something that most human, humans won't achieve, right? They have found a way to gain traction and grow to this place that has transformed their lives. So they've transformed from within, and now it's transformed what's going on outwardly in their lives. 
This is exactly the beauty of Jesus. This is why Jesus to this day is still a figure that will always um is a powerful figure. Regardless if you believe in him or not, like you know his name. There are four gospels in the New Testament, but the one that and they all describe Jesus in different ways, different aspects, different views from four different people, right? But the best one I think if you were to ever want if you wanted to know about Jesus and and learn who he was, I think the best one to read out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the four gospels, is John. Why John? John, who was one of Jesus' uh, disciples, one of the twelve, he wrote in a first person point of view, just like those movies that are shot in that that POV shot, right? And and in this view you're able to watch Jesus be himself through different situations, reacting to different people, the way he's kind of positioned himself with his disciples, his mom, um, the way he reacts when he goes into the temple, all these different situations you get to actually see. It's not about his teachings, more is more about him and who he is. And you're like, it, it it's really mind blowing. You know, like my nine year old son just finished reading the book of John, and there's 21 chapters, right? The one thing he said he's seen out of out of it, he's like, man, daddy, you know what's interesting? I was like, what? He was like, the way how calm he was. It didn't matter what the situation was. He just reacted in this calm way. And I could see that that's something that he really connected with. And he that that's something you'd want to aspire to. Like that specific character. There's many more, prob- more people connect to. Like for me, I connect to, well, it is similar to the calmness, but more to... His ability to say things in the, say the right words in the different situations that he was put in. To think before he spoke, but then when he spoke, it was with power. It was powerful words. It wasn't wasted breath, right? Which is something I, I really, I, I see a lot when I read read uh, the book of John. You know, Jesus was a person who, though he experienced all temptations, just like we do, right? And face the same challenges we we all face. He was able to overcome. Like, you know, you look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. In the NIV version, um, verse 14, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that might and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then you look at chapter four. Verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. The only difference between the men I mentioned before and Jesus is that faith is required to believe that not only was Jesus alive, right? Because all of us wasn't there when Jesus was alive. If you're watching this video, you wasn't, you're not that old, right? Unless you are. And I'd like to interview you because that'd be kind of weird. But he did not sin. That's the difference. That takes faith. 
But with that faith, the standard that Jesus set can guide. No. It could do more than guide. It can pull you forward into becoming a better human. That reaching for the higher good. Right? A human who strives to be a better version of themselves. The one that fights every day to be that person. Because this is who you believe you are. This is what that can do when you're being pulled by that. That by Jesus, if your faith in him, you're like, man, he lived like this, I could be better. I can do better. That's what that can do. But to strive to get to that higher good, you have to believe that there is a higher good. You have to believe that there is. Now, my recommendation is to use the Bible and to strengthen your faith or to help you to start having it. That would be my recommendation. Start reading John, not like 1, 2, or 3 John, which is also in the New Testament, but it's... John, the book of John I'm t- recommending that you read is right after um, Luke. So it's Matthew, Mark. This is all in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the fourth book in the New Testament is John. And this will help you to start having more faith in Jesus and learning about him, which the whole Bible, if you want to understand the Bible, understand Jesus. I promise. That's the place to start. To achieve the better person, of yourself, you will need a guide and let that Bible be that guide. Trust me, with or without the Bible, to grow and mature, you will stumble. But at least with the Bible, you will have some guidance. If you're enjoying the video so far, please like, share if you haven't already, and please subscribe, hit that no- notification bell. Let's get back to the rest of the clip. Well, within, it That's may be, but I just think that we for know me, right I always think be a part of it. I, I think they certainly be a part of it all. Yeah, I think the ultimate, for me, it makes me feel good about the universe. It makes me feel like there is a benevolent end to this. Simulation makes me want to think the the, the reason why we all want to work together and it's better to be kind, to be a good person, is because when things work together, more things get done. There's a thing about human beings that we are creating newer and better things, always, constantly. To what end? That's the thing. Understanding? This is what I'm talking about before, when I'm talking about the evolution of the creature becoming godlike. I think it happens with technology. And I think technology gets introduced into the human biology and it radically accelerates our ability to think and and solve problems and come up with new solutions and then invent newer and crazier innovations. But that's tool using, but that that might be- It's not tool using, it's the fabric of space and time. It's finding out what the dark matter is, harnessing it creating nuclear fusion in in a sustainable way where they never have to worry about ever having any pollutants, have a zero carbon atmosphere. I'm still asking you, though, I wonder at times to what end is that? I think we become a thing that's not us. I think we become like transhuman or something. I think that's coming. This is where I'm going to end the clip as they go into talking about transhumanism and all that, which... (laughs) It's totally not like... It's not bonkers, because if, if you're able to believe in, like, the Bible, as I do, right? You know, the Bible talks about you becoming a different person, right? When you, when you, when you go to sleep, when you fall asleep, it says that God, you become a different... I mean, you don't go with this, this flesh suit, right? Um, when you die, so... So it's not totally out of the woodworks, I, I, you know, like, the, the theory, that, the direction that they're going, but... It is so evident, you know, what Joe says here, the power of people working together. You know, that is exactly what God shows us in, in Genesis 11, 9, 11 uh, verse 1 through 9. You know, if, if you're not familiar, this is the story of the Tower of Babel. 
And the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and fake and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar from mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came to the see the city. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, man, well, he didn't say man, but <laughs> if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Mm, talking about that oneness that Joe was talking about, right? Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Wild, right? Isn't that is is imagine what we can do together if we are unified. If you don't believe that, look at the state of the world, specifically America, right? Like whether it's intentional or not, media is doing its best to polarize us. To separate us based on class, race, political beliefs, and the list keeps going on and on and on. I believe that a nation divided is a weakened nation. But a nation united is a solidified nation who will stand firm against any rising tide. Unified nation. Thank you for watching the video. I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace.